welcome to the first edition of the Going in Circles Big Monday show for 2023. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. The Sniper's here. We're uh, starting our fourth season, believe it or not. Fourth season. Seems nuts. But uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Happy New Year, Sniper. Happy New Year. We uh we made it to our, our believe it or not fourth season. Wow. What constitutes a season? The year. Hmm. We That's started good. in 2020. Yeah. No, I remember it was it was pandemic induced sort of, right? It, it sort of was. <clears throat> Here we are. In uh, the year 2023. Look how far we've come. We've made it. <laughs> barely. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> we've barely made it, but we've made it. Uh, how was your new year? Good. I was I was asleep by 1030. Yeah. On schedule. So, yeah, no complaints. Sabria was up <laughs> probably till like 3 in the morning, but... You know, I was out. I had enough. Woke up at midnight because of all the fireworks. That was the only reason I woke up. It was like a a fireworks display and loudness for about 15 minutes, and then it was done. That was it. Haven't heard a firecracker since. I think everybody used (laughs) They ran out. They didn't have any more. Does anybody know why um, fireworks are are like a a New Year's Eve thing? I mean, I understand like if you go to uh, like an uh, event. Yeah, right. Like there's a big event like Vegas has in New York City over the river and they have all these, you know, these special deals, but people just they make noise. <laughs> That's all they do. They just make noise. Yeah, it's 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 a phenomenon that I I don't understand. Um, and you know, to to give, I guess the other side of this thing credit, there are a bunch of fireworks places near where I live, so it's not like they're hard to get. <laughs> but no, the whole store probably isn't necessary. <laughs> no, get, getting fireworks in Florida is it's, it's like getting gas. Everywhere you look, <laughs> somebody selling them. Dude, it's so easy. Like, I mean, good ones too. Like big giant ones. I, I mean, I had to think between the neighbors, uh, there had to be about ten grand worth of fireworks floating around. The Jason Pierre Paul ones, yeah, the big ones, like the ones that come with their own little mortar thing, you know, the ones that the ones that blow your finger off of, yeah, off your hand, big ones. And I know from going in those stores that those things aren't cheap. You know, a couple hundred bucks for like two of them, right? That's that's crazy, man. That is crazy. I bet. 
it, you know, I never was into fireworks very much. I remember we used to go when I was a kid. Uh, the harness track would have them on like Fourth of July. After the races, they'd run a day card, and and then as soon as it got dark enough, they they'd uh, um. You know, have a little fireworks show, and they get lots of people, man. They get ten thousand people come to for that stupid thing. And I always thought it was really cool for about two minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and then no, I was like, "I'm it's done." The same, it's the same thing. And then I would start looking and seeing if any of the ones that like floated back to Earth like caught the grass on fire, or <laughs> you know, it just uh, it never really. It was one of those things that seemed like you got all pumped up for, it and then the reality was wasn't as nearly as great as the lead up. Uh, you know, sort of like Gulf Street Parks Championship. Don't. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I have um, to say, you know, like uh, along the fireworks thing, literally the only fireworks that I would enjoy seeing are the ones at Disney. Yeah, yeah, right. Disney has that huge. They have it, you know, with the music and other lights. Right. Yeah, it's a show, so I get it. But right. you can't recreate that in my neighborhood. <laughs> Not that. No. Now no. Florida has its own brand of fireworks. <laughs> guys, <laughs> driving, guys driving by with machine guns and things like that and, and uh, spaceships taken off from Cape Canaveral. Oh, you know, lots of stuff happens in Florida. Oh, yeah. Get your money's worth for sure. This is true. Um, we actually had um, some racing action this weekend. Yeah, it was, it was actually a good weekend. I, I Surprisingly, because usually this time of year, like up until I'd say like the Pegasus or, you know, they're around like late January, it's kind of dead zone. But I think some of those, I think that preview day was a little earlier than it usually is, right? I believe it was a week <clears throat> earlier, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't even know because, you know, it depends on uh, on the calendar. And, and this year with the holidays, being on uh, Sunday, the holiday itself, the first, you know, the first is on holiday. Uh, it it kind of lend itself to perfect timing for racing and that, um, you know, we, we had stake races on Friday, on Saturday and Sunday. So, so you know, just, just was a lot of action. And Gulfstream Park did push back some of its uh, stakes, I believe, um, because the championship meet officially didn't start. I think two of the races were usually held a little earlier, but uh, I'm not completely positive. But um, it just there there was I think like twelve greatest stakes. Oh yeah. So there was there was a lot of action, and um, uh, the Philly kind of you texted me right after, uh, right after she ran at Gulfstream the other day, uh, the Philly of Biancones that won the stake. <laughs> On uh, on Saturday, the three-year-old filly uh, running faster than the boys did. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, she's awfully good, man. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of her Infinite name. Infinite Diamond. Infinite Diamond, right, right. Now that's she's awfully good, had, man. She's really good. Right, that's the one we had seen break her maiden at Goldstream 
this yeah. this like uh, in the fall where she just destroyed a field. Uh, the the B she's by B Jersey. Yes, Fipke. Right, 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 Mister Mister Fipke. Um, but she was she was really impressive. Uh, she's was, been impressive like all along, though. I mean, I, I like that horse a lot. Yeah. But um I mean there's still some questions there, but I mean she's looked good. Yeah, you, you kinda wonder if she's gonna be a one turn horse. Yeah, that's that's my thought, you know, but you never know. I mean she's she's talented, so I, I give her a shot going longer. See what happens. Yeah. Get the infinite diamond. I mean I don't know that it was the greatest field she ran against, but uh, at least these races this weekend had, had good field size. And that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, there weren't any five horse fields in any of those races, which was refreshing. No, Gulfstream, uh, did a, you know, the, they did a pretty good job of getting uh, decent field sizes. and uh, I mean, the, the Limehouse, which was the three-year-old sprint, that, that's a division that it just... For whatever reason, they just cannot get um, those races to fill big, and they used to. It, it used to be a three-year-old sprinters were was a big class, but it just doesn't uh, it just doesn't happen that much anymore. Um, we had a DQ in the Mucho Macho Man last year. Simplification won the Mucho Macho Man uh, on the lead. This year, a horse named Legacy Isle went wire to wire, but. Uh, Amarillo, I mean, the horse, I, I didn't think it was a tough DQ at all. I mean, it seemed like, um, you know, it seemed like the right call. Uh, I don't know. I, I can see I can see someone making the case that, you know, the four was never going to go by. Yeah, but that, that that's that's But it's immaterial, you know, right. to the foul yeah, if itself. You, if you foul yeah. a horse at that right. part of the race when the other horse is gaining – then it's an automatic DQ. I mean, and they did the right thing. I mean, they, yeah, they did no, take they, the horse down. But I, I don't think it but was as easy. It should that be, though, Barry. But that it should be a DQ should be. 100% out of 100%. 100% right. of the time. And that's the thing. And that's what we complain about all the time. <clears throat> and the stewards make this. We shouldn't be even considering that that's not a DQ. That's a DQ. That is like the definition of a DQ. And what should happen is that video should be sent to every person who holds a steward's license in America. And, <laughs> like, and, and, and it should be said, hey, listen, guys, this is a DQ, okay? So if you have something similar, it's a DQ. But we don't do that, of course, because you know we have situations like today at Parks where a horse clipped heels, and because the, the horse, the offending horse, didn't swerve or make a big show of it, uh, they, they left the horse up. And we're all just left to wonder how a horse just happened to, you know, I guess there was maybe a trip wire out there, but yeah, that's, you know, uh, definitely a sore spot for horse players, because like you said, you know, when they hang that DQ or that inquiry sign up, you feel like, you know, I know years ago, like, you know, when I was a kid, (laughs) Basically, I felt like you could count on the stewards to make the right call. 
nowadays it's just a complete roll of the dice and that's a bad feeling because you I should talked have about some- this I talked about this with a friend the other day and I said didn't you remember and you know whenever you go back too far maybe your memory isn't exactly what it you know you think it is but it just seemed like at least in New York cuz you remember too when we were kids like we didn't see races from seven different tracks a day it, that didn't happen we saw what we had in front of us right but it seemed like in New York where we you know where I was watching races since I was a kid um we knew pretty much when there was going to be disqualification as soon as, as soon as they showed the head on for most situations you felt pretty confident that it was going to mm-hmm. be a DQ um, or not. And nowadays, because they let things go sometimes and they don't let things go, and the riders don't ride as clean these days. They just don't. There's a more hurting. There's more swerving. There's more horses um, that drift in, out. More guys trying to come up the rail. Um, it's really... It, it, it's made it very difficult and this is why the first thing Heisa should have done take control of the stewards and, and the rules on the racetrack and standardize that because that's something that if not only affects everyone that we all see <clears throat> all the other rules they have y- y- nobody sees it Maybe the blacksmiths see the shoe rule or the um, you know, this or that or the other thing, you know. But this is something that, that would be it'd be relatively easy to standardize. But again, you'd have to train people. You'd have to 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 provide oversight. And you'd have to you know take every call, um, DQ or not, and and review it, which of course would be effort and work. But um. You know what I wish? You know what I wish sometimes is like between races. You know how back in the day on on like Monday Night Football, they used to do the you make the call? Yeah. I wish they would do that sometimes like between races. You know, just, you know, a little little bit of fun, but a little bit of, all right, well, you know, what are we looking at here? Yeah, that goes back to the uh, the whole the theme of our four years that the racing has never really <laughs> properly educated people. Therefore, why are we surprised when they don't really know? And that's because, you know, they got these guys out in California, making it up as they go along. You got guys in Maryland DQing horses that didn't do anything. And when people, um, when people make statements about certain jockeys and certain trainers getting preferential treatment, it's hard to watch some of these races and some of these decisions and not conclude that even if it's not true and perception is reality. It's just, you know, a call like that one should be the call every single race and every single track in in America. That should be a DQ. Right. That shouldn't, that that shouldn't be selective to the jurisdiction. Right. Across the board. Every time no no hesitation now that's why i say i i I would like to see 
<clears throat> something like that happened between races or, you know, you make the call and then them explain why it wasn't or why it was a DQ. And that way you can kind of get some of that information, the fan education out there. So you know what they're looking at and how they're adjudicating these decisions. Now, you know, consistency is a whole nother subject in itself. But if they were consistent with those kind of things, I don't think anybody would complain. Yeah, no, I, I, I get. It's just frustrating, you know. Uh, some of the like, I, I, I saw somebody kind of get screwed over, um, paramutually, uh, where they thought a horse was the the favorite ended up being a non-favorite by 600 and something dollars and they would have hit a pick five twice but the horse that was scratched you know ended up being you know kind of a moot point but you know stuff like that you know it's something i think that the tracks can control that they just kind of let go you know with the steward stuff um, some of the paramutual rules are a little shaky uh, when scratches happen or, you know, off the turf, things like that. You know, <clears throat> there, there's ways to do things differently. And, and, I, and I say this with, you know, kind of a little bit of bias, I guess. But I think Naira has a chance to to kind of take the forefront on these kind of things and and kind of do it the right way if they really wanted to. Now, whether they want to or not is a whole nother story, but one of these jurisdictions has to step up and do something different and make it a little bit more horse player friendly for these kind of things. And that could work a long way, you know, if you kind of reverse it back to Hissa, it could help them out too. But they don't yeah. think that way. They're just like, oh, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, no matter how bad it is. We're not even going to think about anything else. And that's, I think, at least for me, is very annoying with all of these rules and everything that it's hard to follow. And, you know, and I'm, I'm following this stuff every day, you know, uh, watching races, you know, doing whatever. But for somebody who's let's say like a weekend warrior that, that plays horses on the weekends only, or every once in a while, every other weekend, you know, all they know is they're, they're getting the short end of the stick in certain areas and it probably shouldn't be that way. I, I, I agree. You know, it's, it's just tough in New York because <clears throat> you have three separate, bosses for the three stewards one is a naira vet or excuse me steward one is a jockey club steward and one is a uh, uh, the infamous one is the, the new york state steward so you have three different people answering to three different um uh bosses which you know and, and, and ultimately the way that the system is set up in new york gives virtually all of the power to the state steward which is a huge problem in uh, some of the, the the decisions that he's made lately have been just egregiously bad, like terrible. The New York State Race and Gaming Com- Commission is a joke. It's it's got six political lackeys on it. 
and they're the, the, the situation with the clocker is, is really one of the more disgraceful situations oh, man, that's ever horrible. existed. And I, I think that everyone who is associated with the New York State Gaming Commission uh, should be should be embarrassed. They should be they should be shamed. It's shameful acts that a, that a, a government organization would act in, in this manner. Incompetent. Amazingly incompetent. It, 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 that, that a um, a hearing officer f- found issues with with both of their cases, and I don't really know that much about the other case because um, it, it's I just don't know. But I, I knew a lot about the Clocker case because uh, I've spoken to him, and I've spoken to other people about that, and it's just a power hungry <clears throat> group of people that are determined to to show how tough they are they should lose their jobs they should be fired from their jobs they're not working for private companies they're working for the the citizens of the state of new york and it should not be allowed to just summarily summarily dismiss a a, a um A judge's <clears throat> decision. You brought him in, so that people can have due process, and then you just take the due process and you throw it out and say, "Oh no," and, and and not even discuss it. The guy didn't do anything wrong. He did nothing wrong. I would argue that it's within his power to to change the work because it's the same work. It's the same time. It's the same horse. It's the the distance. He has the power to put whatever distance he wants to. <clears throat> they clocked the horse at all the distances. And to say that it was some sort of corrupt act is, is just, it's idiotic. Yeah, it's very misguided. It, it really is. And unfortunately, uh, it's not a story that, get, that gets a lot of, of, of press. But that's the kind of people that you're dealing with in, in regulation. And Heisa doesn't eliminate those people. They're pe- those people are still involved as a matter of fact i wouldn't be shocked if, if some of these people were hired by heisa because that's all they've really done so far is mostly hire people that are already in the business that have screwed it up everyone complains about how badly screwed it up it is and then you just keep going and hiring the same people that that goes top to bottom throughout this business of course it's it's <laughs> like... it's, 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 it's just it's terrible and and yes we don't really have much control over who uh the 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 state politicians decide to put in these positions which is something that i've tried to explain to people for a long time that in some states there there is a little bit of of industry influence but in other states like new york it's strictly political hacks they're political acquisitions and they're given these positions because of they, they make donations um, to certain politicians or certain parties and they wind up on these boards and they don't give a shit about it and they just they rubber stamp whatever the guy who's in charge and he doesn't really know anything. It, it's, it's just a, it's just everything that's wrong with government in a nutshell. Hmm. 
Look, look, look at what the New Jersey Racing Commission did when they outlawed the whips and then wouldn't talk about it. And then we find out there's only like four people that are out of the 11. They're actually on the committee. There's like <laughs> seven vacant seats. And and you got the governor, the, old, the, the, the other governor, Murphy, showing up to the track. Patting everybody on the back like he's some pro racing guy. Yeah, is is he leaves half the damn thing vacant, and and then they won't even talk to anyone. You know, no, no. What kind of government is that? Huh. That a racing commission can't put out a, a statements. The stewards aren't allowed to talk to the press. What is this like? Eastern Germany. Well, I mean, it, it just provides ammo for the, the conspiracy theory people. And rightfully so for them to think that because it's like, well, if it's not transparent, then, you know, what's going on that we can't see? <clears throat> it's just prime fodder for, for, the, for those conspiracy type people. And there really is no need for it. No, it, it's 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 just not right. It's just not the right thing to do. It it is a fallacy that we govern ourselves. That's always been a fallacy. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we believe that the state racing commission system is perfect. It's not perfect. It sucks. It's not good. But Heise doesn't really help in a lot of situations and in some cases makes things worse. And that's the argument against all these these mother um, I'm not gonna say it, but but the, the cheerleaders. <laughs> the media cheerleaders. Like we don't have any racing media that's not biased anymore. It's almost ninety-five percent biased. And it's not always because of the writer's bias. In Pollock's case, he's wildly biased by whoever writes his check. But most of racing media is is, is um, comes from the, the the groups that are being covered. It's they want to make it PR. They don't want to make it um, actual you know coverage or news. They're just is when when we lost all the newspaper coverage, the real life newspaper writers. And the Andy Byers and the Stephen Christens and the guys that got things that knew, that understood, that would call out tracks and and, and commissions and whoever needed to be called out and, and, and had no fear. Retribution's a, a real thing in this business. It's a real thing. It's not a big business. It's a small business. There are some very misguided people that have a lot of power in this business. Which is why many of the mistakes that are made time after time after time are never changed. And yet you got the cheerleaders telling you, oh, well, geez, you know, well, uh, it, it's, it's just it's just ludicrous. And it's, it's unfair because for the participants, they're not getting a fair shake because they, they have no um, no real outlet for news that, that isn't tainted in some way or not you know, covered, there's lots of stuff that just isn't covered. Uh, and for fans and for, you know, followers of the game and betters, like, what chance do they have? Huh. 
it's just, uh, you know, it's a crappy situation. It really is. But anyways, moving on. Um, what did you think of uh, of the Santa Anita races? Was any anything uh, out there caught your eye? Oh, we've lost you. <laughs> well, we're back. We we had some. Uh... <laughs> technical difficulties fireworks get us in man they heard us talking you know occasionally we've had issues with this app but lately it's it's had more issues than uh than than usual i guess is the best way to put it <laughs> factual yeah it's uh It doesn't like Mondays. It has a case of the Mondays, as they say. Yeah. Yes, sir. But yeah, Santa Anita, their turf looked excellent. <laughs> That's it. Well, when you consider the competition's turf. <laughs> right. Yeah. The fairgrounds turf <laughs> still looks like Durant's haircut. Yeah. Very spotty. <laughs> that's being nice um Santa Anita actually ran uh today yeah I was surprised they did that because you know they don't have many horses out there and when do they run again on Friday uh, I think so yeah 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 I think honestly I think the handle is pretty good but I don't really know what to compare it to. Phil D'Amato won the turf stake, so. Shock. When doesn't he win a turf stake? So things are normal. I like this this new thing that they're running the first race as a <laughs> stake race as the first race. Didn't they used to do that a lot before, like a while ago? Like I can't remember. Late 90s, 2000s? Well, late thousands i mean we before we had full simulcasting it wouldn't have been a big deal but now that's why they're doing it maybe oh it's a good question to get it into a, a better time frame for you know maximize handle i mean if you run a race at eight o'clock at night um, especially on a weekend uh, you might have lost a lot of your East Coast handle. I mean, I like the move personally. I mean, it, it's not. I mean, you used to run stakes late in the because you wanted hey, you wanted people to stake, you know, to come for the for the day. You know, stakes being the big attraction, but I don't really know, but. Kind of interesting. Yeah. No, I, I noticed the change. It was spicing yeah, it up the early double. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it'll get bad if you know they card those like four horse stakes in the early pick five, and it's just like, what are we doing here? 
Yeah, not a good. That's not a good thing. Though the the early pick is, is the early pick five the the lower that one. Or is um, it the higher. I think it's the higher takeout one. It's, it's still bizarre to me that they have the they different takeouts rates. Yeah, because they do it at Gulfstream too, and people don't really talk about that. It just seems like it's kind of like a slap in the face. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> It's a little out in the open. (laughs) It's it's like sense. It just doesn't make any sense. No, it's but yeah, that that doesn't make any sense. But it's horse racing, therefore, um, you know that's what we expect. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense Any, by anything, not making sense. Uh, anything catch your eye out uh, out west this weekend? Um, not particularly. I I, I think uh, there was one race, and I and I texted you about it, where it looked like the jockey was counting strikes. Yeah, and it, I thought that was really it. interesting because you know it was. It was kind of like a, a two horse race in the stretch. And it just really got I, I really got the feeling looking at that race that the jockey didn't go all out for the reasons of counting whip strikes. I mean it really looked like he was counting them. To, to be honest with you, you you I did not look at the race. I had not watched the race and you texted me that and i said let me look and you know, without any context and you're right he he looked like um, I, I just think that in the stretch you would have expected a um stronger effort and it did look like he was he was counting on on saving strikes and then he may not known how many he had had used up right because I, I know you would see a little bit more vigorous riding than what we got <clears throat> in the stretch of that race and and that's that's not a good sign it's not a good sign and you know it would be the a major kick in the balls is if he still got fined <laughs> yeah for- right that ride, despite you know the effort to try to not get fined. Yeah, you get the it's both the, the the worst of both worlds. It's just so annoying that that that's a thing. You know, if you're you know pounding on a horse and and it's unnecessary, yeah, I get it. But if it's you know like what we call something that we normally would see. Still a competition. It's, right. It's still a race. It's a horse race. Yeah. Just uh just another another decision that was made without really any thought process beyond hey, we gotta do something. And then that's 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 what we get a lot. We we get a lot of hey, we got to do something in horse racing, and it seems like it's in the wrong places. It never works. 
in that too. It, it never works, and it seems like they they're misguided in in the things that they want to harp on. It's like of all the things that yep, you know, there's a lot more other stuff that they could control. <laughs> you could you could deal with uh, whip restrictions without having to put these these ironclad numbers on them, and it's just not thought by the people that make the rules because they don't bet and they don't, they don't, a lot of them don't participate. They've never participated in the game. They're outsiders. Well, yeah. I mean, I I mean, just looking at it, taking a step back, I'm pretty sure every jockey that rides in races has some idea what abuse would be. They do it, and and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be rules, because because either have been rules, and the stewards were were always very lax. But lax. We, we, you yeah. see what the stewards allow. The stewards allow guys to zigzag down the stretch. <laughs> so it, it's it's not oh. like they were. I'm not going to sit here and properly enforcing them. I'm sure they weren't properly enforcing. Them. <clears throat> but you can start to properly enforce. I, I just think that the biggest issue that racing has is just the fundamental issue. Of that the people making the calls, it affect them. It doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect them. Everyone who works should be fired if they make a mistake. That's what happens to the rest of us. Hmm. Could you imagine industry that would put people in charge that don't have any skin in the game? Yeah, that's rough. And this is the problem with the jockey club, is that they're out of touch. They've run a monopoly over there, and they think they know business. They don't know. They know their own businesses, but they don't know the gambling business. Because had they understood the gambling business, they would have adapted a long time ago. But they never did. They never pushed for it, because the gamblers were always seen as an inconvenience. And this is what we have. You have these boards of these people who, who might be smart people. They might be credentialed people in way, shape, or form, but they're not credentialed to do this. And that's the thing is they don't see the, the, the secondary reactions. They don't understand how it looks from the outside. They don't know what the rule will, what, what dominoes will fall because the, the original rule was set into play how people will get around it, how people will take advantage of it. Because no matter what rule you put in, someone is going to get around it and someone's going to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. <clears throat> they don't, but they don't get it. And in the end, it doesn't, but it doesn't take money out of their pockets. How yeah. do you make decisions that affect where you're spending tremendous amounts of other people's money and, and you have no, um, they're not even, I mean, these things have been done in a lot of ways behind closed doors. They're not even like having to face the music um, and be transparent. I mean, everybody, you know, if you, you work at a company, everybody bitches about their company, right? Ah, they don't pay enough, they... They, they 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 skimp on this, they do this, they do that, they, mm-hmm. they don't give us enough vacation, they don't do this, they don't do that. But the, the, the reality is, despite some of the rhetoric you hear, 
companies just can't pay everybody $50 an hour because it would be nice. Listen, horses is a very, very, very low margin uh, business. There's lots of unexpected expenses. Things rarely fit neatly into a row. Your grooms wind up taking care of too many horses or not enough horses, or you have to pay for this, or you have to do this, you have to, you know, it's, it's a very uh, low margin business. There's not a lot of profit in training horses. The profits in winning races and selling horses. That's really where the, the main profits are. Having said that, if someone came in that didn't know anything about training horses and didn't know anything about anything and thought that they would come in here, oh, we're just going to do this, 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 and this, they'd be, they'd be out of business in two months. <laughs> well, we're not going to pay the employees that. We're not going to, we're, we're going to cut the line. Oh, if a guy only rubs two this week because two of his horses get claimed, well, we're only paying him, you know, for to take care of the two, and that's too bad. Yeah, and then he's going to leave. And then you'll have instead of having one groom taking care of two horses and having extra help, you'll have not enough help because he'll quit. And then you'll have to take the two horses and give them to someone else. So then the other grooms will have extra horses. So you wind up paying extra because then those grooms will say, well, you know, it's too much. I don't want to take care of that many horses. And then maybe two or three other horses uh, come in because, you, you know, they come back from the farm or somebody sends you a horse. It's it just... It's just it's a, a never-ending stream of right. I'm I'm sure running a restaurant is is similar. <clears throat> Though, you know, the food prices go up and they go down, and availability goes up and go down, and the help situation is in flux all the time. But the think that that you could bring someone in and that they wouldn't really know the business and they weren't affected by it. So if you went bankrupt, ugh, they still get their paycheck. <laughs> That's basically, you know. The government, which is a, 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 a rousing disaster. The government is a disaster at, at running businesses. And I'll, I love people will say, oh, well, we have roads and we have the military and blah, 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 blah. Barely. Yeah. You think they're profitable? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is that. Um, I'm not I don't care about the animal rights people. They have no effect on, on, on any decisions that I would make other than doing the right thing. Because you know what? If you run a profitable industry and you maximize should be and you're growing and you're popular, you don't have to worry about those things. Mm -hmm. It's when you start to diminish or and, and dog racing is a perfect example. Of where you have other forms of, of gambling that are just better. And you don't have a monopoly on the nights in some areas. And the tracks, you know, found other things that they could make more money at. Where the tracks aren't even your allies anymore. You have no political power. That's why they're gone. Yeah, that's purely how how it demised in in Florida. They just they all just threw in the towel and was like, all right. People talk about like Sea World, right? Sea World, the animal rights people just <clears throat> just shamed people into not going. Cost <laughs> their business. 
That's how they, they get you a downturn in your business. So what should we do? I mean, they played into the, their hands. You're going to cause a downturn in the business. No matter what anybody tells you, it's not true. There's no way to think that ISIS rules and, and all these new, new, new standards are going to grow the business. It's just asinine. You're getting the same bullshit. If it's a better, you're getting the same shit. Except they're going to serve it on the silver platter and they're going to tell you it's, 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 it's premium. <laughs> it's not. You, you, you like five horse fields. You like having, uh, you like races where, where one trainer's got two, another trainer's got three, another trainer's got two. That's what they're going to be serving you. Because nothing has been done in this industry forever to to change that that's how things are going uh, a normal business a normal industry would say to themselves hey here's the negative trends what can we do to reverse them well i can tell you this raising takeout or paying uh, massive Rebates hasn't helped. Got some <laughs> fake handle that's propping up the numbers to make them look good, but they're still not good. There's no growth. Some of the you're just mixing it up a little bit. Some of the bigger tracks are doing a little better, probably because the smaller tracks are are cutting back. And and I mean, if you think about it, a smaller track Racino. They're not doing a million a race. Oh no, definitely not. They're not we they're they're not they're not making buckets of money on racing. And there's no one to really fight for. And it sucks because we talk about the same thing. This is this is our fourth year. Yeah, and it's been the theme since day one, literally. <clears throat> and it hasn't improved in that time frame either. I think that's the, the thing that stands out the most. And then the second thing that stands out to me is I don't understand how these entities operate without horse players in mind, but yet they do constantly. Because it's just like, well, you take the horse players out of it, what do you have? It's so obvious to us and to others. <clears throat> players are the savior of this business. That's the only areas of that you're going to see. Hell, the more business grows, the worse racing is. The worse, the worse off racing is. We were talking today about, you made a quote about Cyberjet. Cyberjet. <laughs> you did not make a quote about cyber. It's cyber knife. Yeah. And how you know he would be a kingpin Dude, in the older the horse division this year. He'd be the best older horse in training right now. Yeah, right. Easily. It'd be him and Tyba. The the horses right. who hit the wire together in the Haskell. 
Yep. You know, I mean, there's a million older horse races for those two. They just they'd clean up. But fact of the matter is that he's worth more as a stallion. And they can make according to our source who's best source there is. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> top of the food chain. <laughs> they can make they can make, you know, in excess of ten million dollars this this spring. He ain't gonna make ten million dollars in a racetrack, even if he is the best horse in America. You know? <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, maybe he'll win the the, the Saudi race, maybe, but you still got to go there and do it. Um. So yeah, I, I I get it. You know, it's like I understand why they're doing it. Do I like it? No, I don't like it at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wrote something today and put it out to her. Uh, the first time I've written anything in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. About, you know, basically about quick kind of wrap up on 2020 and one of the you know, things we'll remember. Um, and, I, and I did it in no particular order, just kind of like what hit my, what popped up to my head. And uh, I think one of the things we'll remember, you think 10, 20 years down the road, we'll remember Flightline. Mm-hmm. And we'll remember the Pacific Classic and we will remember... Uh, how he dusted the life is good, just ran right on by him. And uh, certainly remember the fact uh, he sold for a ridiculous amount of money, or at least a little tiny, little tiny piece of him sold for a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. But I think that's something that that's, you know, that'll, that'll last on. Uh, I think rich strikes Derby will be something that that's something that people will remember. Like, Hey, remember when that, that, Everyone up, Mutt won the Derby at eighty to one. <laughs> I don't even remember. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'd like to forget that. I couldn't help it, but I had to put Joel Rosario's ride on Warlike Goddess because that was one of the worst ever. Yeah, it was pretty bad. You know, you know, looking at it in the rearview mirror now, he probably cost her an Eclipse Award with that ride. <laughs> you see people wanted to give Regal glory the Eclipse <laughs> but Warlike Goddess beat beat the boys she finished third in the turf when Regal glory uh, finished up the track in the mile and she would have had four graded stakes wins and I believe that, that the third in the, in, the, in the turf against the boys again would have got her the vote of many people I don't want to get into Eclipse Award voting because some of the people just use the worst criteria. It's just cringeworthy. Like, do you not know what you're watching? And then you say to yourself, well, yeah, they do actually don't know what they're watching. They don't. <laughs> yeah. But that ride was so bad because of, of, of all it impacted. And it just didn't have to be. He just didn't have to put her that far behind and get her trapped on the rail. I mean, he wrote her like she was 30 to 1 and he was going to try to sneak up the inside and be second. Get a check. Not the horse that was five lengths better than the rest of the field. Last eighth and 10 seconds or less, which is unbelievable. Flying. <laughs> That's something I will not forget. And whenever the topic of... of it comes up that one's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be in um 
maybe we won't remember this, but I, I thought it was noteworthy was just kind of being re revived a little of a, a weekend at Bernie situation. Almost. In the middle of the year, like from like May to like August, he was on fire. Yeah, yeah, he did. And um, I did note that, you know, the whole round is probably short lived because uh, most of the horses seem like they're tailing off towards the end of the year. A couple of the horses, the Phillies, he, he just ran way too much. And even when they started running poorly, you know, Wayne, it's not, 20 it's not 1988 anymore you they don't just revert back to form for the most part if they go bad these days they'll stay bad but um yeah i mean lucas used to do that he, he'd run a horse and run a horse and run a horse and they would go off form and then they'd come back on form and then they yeah. go off form and that's come how back I on hit, form. that's how i hit take charge brandy in the yeah. uh in the Breeders cup race where she paid 160 bucks it was never consistent it was always kind of um, <clears throat> they would go in form and out of form and, and, and there usually there wasn't any tells like there wasn't any um, you know real secrets about it uh, of course the, the closing of Pompano Park was uh, still annoys me it does and of course uh, the you know the, the last big Big uh, remembrance of 2022 is the saga of Bob Baffert. I mean, remember every single week in the beginning of the year, something new would come up, some news item oh, regarding man. Baffert. We, to, we didn't have to even prep for our shows. We knew something crazy was going to happen. <laughs> some new news on the the Baffert saga, and it was. I mean, literally every week it was couldn't even make it up it was just there i remember we apologized listen man i i hate to cover this guy every week but something new there's something new and and, and this is what people i get more feedback on this than anything people want to hear it they want to talk about it so so we did it it's it's funny because it seems like it was years ago already right you know that it really back. wasn't long ago and then you know table wins a couple races and Everybody kind of forgets some of it. Yeah, right. Oh, well, everybody was wanting to, you know, the, the lines were drawn and the, the single fans were on one side and the, the haters were on the other side. And, and now it's like nobody even talks about it anymore. <laughs> well, I think it'll come up again if Taba ends up winning. Well, I think it's going to come up because the spring, because he's still suspended from Churchill Downs. Right. Until 2024. Right. Uh, I, I think through like June of it was two years as of the when they found out that the horse was positive, which was the what the week before the Preakness. So right. So it'd be it probably end of May June. It's his Churchill suspension is up. You know after 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 this Derby, but I said you know we're, we're going to have to go through a lot of hand-wringing and you know when's he gonna transfer the horse or what are they gonna do whose name is it gonna run is it gonna run in baffert's name in the preakness <laughs> could you imagine if a horse wins the derby and then maybe, runs under a different know, and, and yakteen or someone's the 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 listed trainer and then he goes previously trained by i said it'll be the first time in in, in triple crown history that we have a previously trained by derby winner it'll be ugly 
Because you can't explain that. How do you explain that to somebody who's new? <laughs> you can't explain it to people who are old. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. The, the people that are in the game just don't can't wrap their heads around it fully. So, yeah, that that that's not going to be cool. But you know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, I would think. I don't know. He didn't transfer him last year until late in until, the the, the, until the 50 point um, race. So I'm guessing that that would be the same situation. And he's just going to keep him until the 50 point races come up. Because, I mean, the truth of the matter is these these early point races. Um, I mean, Baffert's not looking. That's in the Derby. If, if his horses don't run one, two in, in the preps, he generally doesn't run them. So for him, winning these early races is nice, but it's not going to matter if they don't perform later in the, the you know, derby season, derby prep season, then he's not. Um, so, um, are there any rules like pertaining to transferring horses like that? No, because it's a derby. The derby point system is that's Churchill Downs's house, and it's not really, it's not even a rule, really. The points aren't even real, they're just, right? The myth- they're mythical points. Churchill is used to, to determine the eligibility for this one particular race that they happen to own. So there's there's no real you know rules about it. I, I guess there are rules about transferring a horse to a to a different trainer. Um, like I couldn't train the horse and then just put it in someone else's name, though that does happen all the time. I was gonna say that happens all the time. Unfortunately, it it does happen. But you know, in a situation like this, Churchill ha- also did write rules inside the rules that said that the horse had to be transferred to a separate entity and that, that uh, Baffert couldn't have any, Baffert or his assistants couldn't have any input. I mean, at least. Publicly, but, um, yeah. So it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting how it shakes out because it, it certainly seems hard to believe that he's not going to have a couple contenders at this point. So it's, uh, we have that to look forward to. More Baffert talk. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because, uh, you know, if I was an owner and my horses were with him and I had a derby contender, I would want to put myself in a position to win. And, you know, just waiting until those 50-point races seems like there's very little margin of error. I think most of his owners... <clears throat> Just go along with whatever he wants to do because he's been successful for them. And that would kind of make sense. I, he's, I he's like the one guy who who really seems like he doesn't have to deal with as, as much uh from the racing managers and so because he's you know, he's got the track record. <laughs> and I mean the truth of the matter is that he does focus on this. This is his thing and um you don't see him winning many turf races. He doesn't go out and buy turf horses. Um, he's if someone sends him a good cow bred to train. He'll train them, but it's not like he focuses on those. Doesn't have money claiming horses. Doesn't you know? It's it's just these type of horses, and he's had tremendous amount of success. And people just go with him. So yeah, I guess they'll just do probably what he he wants to do for the most part. I mean, I think some people took the horses last year because, you know, trying to save a little face, but 
I don't think anyone cares anymore. At least people within the business. It's just they've moved on to new things to bitch about. So, <laughs> And I get it. I mean, it is just tiresome at this point. It's like, you know, what's happened has happened, and it's just going to have to play out, at least for, you know, until he's back in the good graces of Churchill Downs. I, honestly, I think the best thing for the business would be is, is if February 1st, Churchill you know, calls him up prior to this, of course, and says, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rescind the ban for this year, but we want you to sign papers that say, if you ever get a positive test in any of our stake races, again, you'll be banned forever. Sign it in blood. Because that, honestly, it distracts, it detracts from the race. That's fair. It detracts from the race. It really does. And you know what? Let bygones be bygones. At this point, rational people don't really care anymore. And he's got his punishment. He took his days. He didn't get to participate last year. Whatever. Just having it go through this year doesn't seem to advance the cause for anyone. Especially, like last year, it even kind of was a little bit more smoothed over because... He was suspended by the the racing commission during that same period of time. Yeah, it wasn't the only suspension in play. So he couldn't have done it anyways because he was suspended. And remember, they they wouldn't uh, issue him the stay, which is which is not that normal actually. Usually, days are given, but he, you know that was the thing. He 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 didn't get the stay. He would have been suspended anyways. Right. This year, it's not. He's he's not suspended. He's not suspended anywhere. And I would if I was Churchill because I, I wouldn't want that story to become, you know, make it about the Derby, make it about uh, the renovations you're doing or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, but do you think he would go for that though? <laughs> I don't yes. think he. You think he I would? I think he would. I don't think he would. Absolutely, I think he would. No doubt. I- Really? I don't think he would go for that deal. I think he would. Maybe we should bring that to the people. <laughs> and listen, I don't know if you could legally do it. I mean, maybe, you know. I don't see why they maybe, wouldn't maybe be able to do it. Why wouldn't they? They're making the I, rules. I, I, I don't know because Churchill's not the ones that are doing the testing. Um, it, it's a commission and... But... But it's still, you know, that it's 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 like you said, it's rational. It makes sense. And I could do to uh, to give a reason why you're going to lessen the sentence because they're never going to just admit, yeah, you know, it might be bad for business. You know, this way, Baffert would still be paying his penance. He he would a uh, you know declaration that. You know, or even if for five years he was like a five-year probation or something like that, he right. doesn't run very many state horses at Churchill Downs outside of the Kentucky Derby. Right um, in the Derby, you know that day. <laughs> yeah, right. The undercard races, but he—it's he, not like he's going to be, you know, uh, rolling the dice <laughs> nine times a week. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. Usually ship in for big races, and that's it. I just think they should drop it because I just don't think, A, I don't think it's good for business for Churchill. I don't think it's good for anybody. 
And to have him just have to transfer horse to a guy for a nominal period of time, it just kind of... Right, it lessens the punishment. It just doesn't... It's not effective anymore. Yeah, it's kind of a sham punishment at this point. Right. And, and you yeah. know what? You made him sit out last year. And and, he, and listen, the guy's been embarrassed. He, it, there's no point in, in, in prolonging it. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. Because... It's not like he won't have it. And yeah, it'll be a little awkward if you were to win it. <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah. It'll be a little awkward next year if he wins it. And the guy's gonna be a factor in the damn race every year from here until he quits training or croaks. Uh, yeah. Just because of the quality of horses he gets and um, you know, it just, it just it's unlike anything else, but it's part of the deal. And I mean, wouldn't you America loves a, they love a comeback story, you know, even though this isn't like some uh, downtrodden guy that's <laughs> it's like know, on the street and then came pulling himself up by his bootstraps. <laughs> <laughs> he got a shave and a shower and he started training horses and look at him now. Yeah, he didn't have to move into a tack room. Service suspension. Uh, Although they tried to make that case. Yeah, yeah, that was always the, that, was, that was always the single most disingenuous quote from his lawyers in a in a series of disingenuous comments. But to say that it, it was going to affect irreparably damage his trading career, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Guy, you know, day after Christmas wins like all the stake races. Yeah, he wins five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, killed him. <laughs> totally ruined him. Yeah, he would have won six if it wasn't for that stupid suspension. <laughs> uh, what others? Oh, I want Jackie's Warriors. He would have been in the Hall of Fame, I think, if he had won the Breeders' Cup sprint this year. He would have won the Eclipse Award again. He would have won the Breeders' Cup, so people couldn't hold out against him. He carried weight. He won a bunch of big races in New York, which is always important. He's he's. Uh, but he didn't, you know. I think that uh, I don't think there's any chance that he's getting. And I don't think he belongs in at this point because he hasn't been able to finish off the year either year. And last year he had an excuse. Uh, he did, you know, chip his knee and have to have surgery. But this year, losing the Forgo and then losing the Breeders' Cup, and uh, you could still make a case that he, he's. He's the most accomplished sprinter because he did win what like three other sprints, but yeah, he did. <clears throat> not the ones that that uh, counted. Oh, to, I said speaker's corner. He he looked like a, a major player. Yeah, when we went and saw him in the in the frozen tundra, of the Pegasus. Yeah, he was dominant. Races subsequent races after that, he was just drilling horses left and right, and then. And then he hooked up a flight line, and then uh, met Mile, and that was it. Flight line gave him a left hook, and 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 life is good. Gave him the uppercut to finish him off. Now he'll be at stead. I really hope that they try Cody's wish a little bit longer after the Met Mile. I get they want to win the Met Mile with him. That makes a lot of sense. It's an important race. And, uh, he doesn't have that many great wins. I think he's only got a couple. No, because he was kind of moving his way up the ranks and then, you know, kind of peaked in the Breeders' Cup. But I'd like to see him stretch out 
a little bit just because there's nobody else. Yeah, I, I mean, he won the four goal last year. So, like, after the Met Mile, play him to the Whitney. Who are you afraid of? Nobody, not this year. Maybe it's not a mile and eight isn't his best distance, but he's got Bill Mott as his freaking trainer. So, you know, if anybody can get him to do it, a guy like Bill Mott can 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 get him to do it. Um, and he got and, you, you know, he Mott's just... got the other horse as as a one turn horse too. The the Curlin Colt that won the Breeders' Cup Sprint. And I know Godolphin doesn't own him, but still, I mean, I think Cody's wish could could get him out on eighth. I, I really hate that. I just don't see why. I, I would I try uh, against the flight line. No, but would I try against whatever's left here? <laughs> Rich strike. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Tyba is not going to make a trip to Saratoga, especially with the Breeders' Cup in the West <laughs> the West Coast. So. Like who who who's out there to worry about? I guess Hot Rod Charlie has. Ah, there's no. kind of no word about what, what's going on with him. Is he done or not? I mean, he went to Gainesway. I, I haven't heard. Maybe someone else has heard, but he yeah, went I haven't heard it. Way after the Breeders' Cup, the the stipulation was they were going to you know come up with a plan. Uh, Don't know the plan. As far as I know, there's not a plan yet. So it's getting pretty late to be announcing stud plans sure, that's somebody who should arrive at the pegasus with open arms well i don't think he's trained so no that's what i mean but i mean that should have been on their radar especially after seeing everybody else retire oh my day. they tried dubai last year they tried dubai or saudi dubai they tried dubai, dubai. yeah they ran him at a prep over there yep thousand dollar race it was like a 14 claimer Oh, yeah, he won that so easy. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. But, yeah, I was I was telling somebody the other day uh, that how bad the Pegasus is going to be this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mr. Baffert showed up with some horse that, you know, probably on a normal year wouldn't be considered to come in and take the money. He did it with Mucho Gusto, who wasn't really all that great. What are uh, you thinking of? Defunded? Yeah. I don't see what big factor. Right. <clears throat> I mean, there's no one to be scared of. Who's going to beat him that's going in that race? Uh, Skippy Longstocking? Nope. Cyberjet. It's the only Cyberjet. Jesus. Yeah, he's done, man. Cyberknife is the only one that's uh, formidable. That, that has, you know, that type of form. The rest of them are just—they're just. They're just tax, they're just, <laughs> tax gonna run again. <laughs> tax. <laughs> His efforts haven't been taxing. You know, what are they gonna bring over? Uh... <laughs> so, what was that other horse that from California that got drilled last year? Royal Ship. Not only him, but. Uh... Damn, what is that horse? Country Grammar. <laughs> Country Grammar probably wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> it was amazing. Country Grammar's made like $10 million. And, 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 he was... and no one thinks he's any good. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's so crazy because he wasn't really that good. And then all of a sudden he jumped up, won a couple races. And then he's back to his old and form. Now back to him. And he won the other day. He looked nice. But I mean, that was a... That was a weak, 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 weak,
was a it was a glorified lounge race. I guess the only good thing about that was the Franco Dottori. Yeah. The Tory still got it, man. Yeah, right. He does against California jockeys. Yeah, you notice where he landed. <laughs> he's not. He's not going to Gulfstream. Well, he graduated in the same high school class as Joe Bravo and Mike Smith. So we'll get their AAE cards. <laughs> they call them <laughs> ARP. Oh, Bravo will get mad because I'm making fun of him again. So is Frankie going to stay the whole year here? No, just the winter time. And then he's going back? Yeah. Yep. And that'll be it. He'll ride. <clears throat> so he's really basically going to ride for a couple months. Yeah, ride here and go ride the summer and I guess the fall. And I don't know when his actual you know, complete parting was going to be, I mean, maybe the Breeders' Cup, who knows? Probably, I would say that that would be a fitting end. I mean, selfishly as a as an American. And I don't think there's a lot of big races left after, I mean, at that time of the year over there. No, look at, look at what's happened after the Breeders' Cup here, like over there. So you have the Breeders' Cup, you know, Europeans come over for that. But there's not much going on. No. Nope. Nope, there's not. There's a lot of retirement, so I'm gonna read the number the, the horses that are retired. I'm gonna read it like the FedEx guy in that commercial we're fast. <laughs> Remember that? The back yeah. Cyber, Cyber Knife, Mo Donegal, Early Voting, Mandolin, Jack Christopher, Speaker's Corner, Mystic Guide, Aloha West, Epicenter, Jackie's Warrior, Olympiad, Life is Good, Flightline, Happy Saver, Golden Pal, Sir Winston, Mind Control, Greatest Honor, Plainsman. Boy, I can't wait to breed to him. Uh, highly Motivated, Warrior's Charge, Pinehurst, Keep Me in Mind, Contra Tour, True Valor, Idol, and Drain the Clock. Oh, and don't forget Corniche. Corniche. I've seen those commercials. Corniche. Watch. You know, one horse on that list that I feel like I never got to know is Mystic Guide. Yeah, yeah, he won the <laughs> Dubai race. Won a couple races and then vanishes. Then yeah, they were he, back kept, and then like, no, we're not going to run anymore. I guess he kept getting hurt. They kept yeah. trying to get him ready and, and they just couldn't get him back and... Because he won the, the Dubai race, like, what, two years ago? Go, yeah. I remember we were at your house watching it. Yeah. Before yep. the, the Florida Derby, right? Yeah. And then he never... Uh... Never recovered. No. He, he, he ran... What, he came back and ran, like, one time since after that. He got, I, finished, I think he finished second or something in, like, the Clark or the... What's the race in the summertime? The, the Stephen Foster? Foster. Yeah. But no, that was that was for him. That's a lot of horses, man. That's a lot of horses. Right. And it's like I mean, to me the numbers don't add up. Like, and I probably like, forgot a couple. <laughs> you know, the numbers just don't add up. And you can't it's just like trying to bull your way into a market that is already overcrowded. Why would you want to do that if you don't have to? 
You know, I you just know, I'm not an expert. I don't run. like Sid, but I think just think the popularity of 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 new stallions is so strong, and they can charge so much more than they used to be able to charge for horses that really lack credential. <clears throat> I mean, significant credentials. I mean, look at Corniche. Like, what do you do? Like. You know, I think another is the race record. It's 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 important, but it's not. It's, it's not, not like that's going to be the reason why a stallion is good. The genetic, it's still the mystery of the thing. And I mean, it has been the leading sire four years in a row. He's a nice horse, but I mean, he wasn't a star, and he didn't have a long career. Um, a look at Freud in New York. Yeah, Freud didn't run at all. <laughs> Habit didn't have much of a career. No, I mean he he won that wood and he was he was brilliant that day. But yeah, and that was pretty much that. it. That was he was, it. He was all right, <laughs> you know. He was okay. Stormcat was a great stallion, but that that didn't have a a hugely successful career. Yes, he had some success. It's not like they didn't win. Uh, a big race here or there, but they didn't have a you know a track record like Perlin or someone you know a horse like that 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 that's going to stutter or even a life that's good. You know, who who for a stallion prospect has got a you know pretty damn good record. He's got requisite speed. He got he won greatest stakes sprinting. He won greatest stakes up to a mile and an eighth. And he looks the part. And he's a big, good-looking horse that's very well-bred. So, I mean, that type of horse, that okay, that makes sense. But but they're not always the best stallions. It doesn't always work out that way. So, I mean, who who was thinking that Gervin was going to be a, one of the top freshman stallions? I mean, if if you did, you would you'd have been all in on him, breeding to to him for sixth grand. Probably could have got a little little cheaper. If your mare was good enough for, if you bought multiple seasons, no, it's the the tail wags the dog, and that's just the way it's going to be. There's just no, there's just nothing that we can really do to change that. We can complain about it all we want, but people are going to take the money, and that's just the way it is. Sure. Yeah, uh, you know, positive change. The Kentucky Derby point system—they tweaked it a little bit. Yeah, they, added added a fifth place point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of the earlier races, they bumped up the points. They could still fix it better, but you know, progress. Uh, I'll I'll always remember the Chuck Appleby Bill Buick, uh, you know, training and then and riding clinics that they provided for us here the last couple of years. <laughs> Oh, 2022 actually, was the year that American racetracks seemed to forget to grow how, how to grow grass. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Took a couple shots at Heisa. Really couldn't help myself. About, uh, Gulfstream this weekend. Any thoughts? Questions? Conundrums? This past weekend? Yeah. Well, I got one that sticks out to me. Or actually two, because it was two races consecutively where there was a little bit of hurting going on <laughs> and you look at one of them 
Yeah. Uh, and the, the second one, they they did make the right call, and they the, took the, the the Swift Derby tout that got no chance to win the Derby. Um, <laughs> yeah, that horse uh, that horse needed to come down. I mean, that was pretty that was pretty obvious. Actually, I have to I, I have to I have to give Swift props because I probably wouldn't have even looked at the sequence. Knowing that when I saw that horse opened up at two to five, that he was a complete toss. <laughs> so <laughs> at that price, um, so I wound up actually looking at it and said, "Hey, you know what? You can spread a little here and spread a little there." And uh, I did very well because of that. And <clears throat> I, did I benefit from the DQ? Yes, but that was absolutely the easiest call. I mean, another yeah, one. Up to one before it was easy, and they didn't even look at it. Yeah, I don't know how they didn't look at that one. At least <laughs> look at it. Yeah, yeah, that, that that was a little odd. Hey, two out of three ain't bad," said uh, Meatloaf. Yeah. Now, if they let both of those go, then we got problems. People will still be talking about it. Yeah, the, those those were really easy calls, though. I mean, uh, the 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 Swift Derby horse just hip checked Mott's horse. And, <laughs> I mean, he knocked him. At least a path and a half wide, you know, and especially based upon the rider who's doing the hip checking, it's the same guy who does it all the time. And I'm sure, they'll give him three days so he can go off to the Bahamas and gamble at Atlantis, but uh, you know, big penalty, but um, you know, they did get that right. I mean, the horse lost by a half a nose. Yeah, <clears throat> almost one. It was, it was, it was an easy call, but uh, not much going on this weekend. No, it's it's quiet. That's the problem when they stack all these stakes together. Right, you're not going to really see anybody until Pegasus Day, basically. It, it leaves it leaves the cupboard pretty bare. The weather does looked okay though, so at least we we might be getting turf at all yeah, the, the turf tracks. It dissipated it, it warmed up some, so I think they'll be fine. Yeah, there, there's no uh, there's no rain in, in the forecast uh, through this week at in in Hallandale, and you know temperatures in the low 80s and perfect should be fine. Might be I don't know for a, a B Spears appearance. Really, we might have a B Spears appearance in uh, in Hallandale. Yeah, well, that doesn't happen very often. No. Well, it does. It's just on the low. I I hide. Nobody can see me. When is uh when might this happen? <clears throat> Maybe this weekend. Really? I usually do my best work when there's you know. A nondescript day with no real giant stakes. Those that's when I do my best work. I learned that from Brett Sumter, by the way, too. It's my guy. Yeah. That's cool. Taught me a lot of stuff. And he probably doesn't even realize it, but he did. He has. Is that's the best way, man? Oh yeah. That was funny. People used to ask me about jerkins all the time. What is you know? What did you learn? I said, I learned everything. Well, you know, <laughs> did he teach us? And well, he didn't ever say. Well, do this because of this. 
I go, you know, he screamed at you until you, until you did it right. Right. And then and you, then you figured out, oh, I must be doing it right because he's not right. screaming at me anymore. <laughs> you, you absorbed it all. <laughs> oh, that was the thing. He used to say all the time, he says, use your brain, use your thoughts, use your think. You know, what do you think? Use your instincts. He goes, if you got bad instincts, you're never going to make it anyways. Which is right. You know, pretty, <laughs> which, is a good, which is actually very true. You know, there, there is no, I mean, for for gambling, for training, for anything, there is no, um, no playbook. It's just no. Not, there is no playbook. You have to own somewhat. I mean, that's that's basically how I did it. You know, I was a kid. I was interested in the game. I started reading books, losing, you know, figuring out where I went wrong and making adjustments, and then that over time and stuff like that i've learned a few things from a lot of different places a lot of different people people you know they're just hanging around otbs i've learned stuff from um just getting all that information putting it together and then like you know like the chief was saying use your head then you take the next step that's it's the truth i mean it's it's really the truth and uh, and everyone's different. Everyone has different temperament, sure. which matters. It's it's not like everyone has the same analytical brain. Um, you know, people, some guys are just gonna bet off the cuff, no matter what. That's just how they're gonna be. <laughs> There's just no point in trying to to tell them the reason with them, right? How they're to do it? They're fire. just gonna do it. You know. There's some people that that are just gonna bet every race. You know, they're gonna bet every race. You know what? Let them let them i mean just think about how many times we talk to each other during the weekend during the races and we have different you know viewpoints on certain things they're not necessarily wrong or right they're just different you know you took something out of a race that i didn't see and vice versa it happens all the time yeah of course it's It's good i i think that's healthy I, and I think that's that's you know how you learn, and and it's not even important for this time; it's for next time, right? You know, it's like, hey, do you remember that horse when you know? And it's like, yeah, all right, that's the horse that you know form looks a lot worse than it really should because of this, or you know, the inside was really no good, or you know, whatever the you know the issue was, and and I think that's that's something that's lost a little bit. Um when people aren't at the track as much as they used to be, you know, the, oh, yeah. the social aspect, uh, because a lot of times when you're betting from home you're, or you're betting from work or you're betting from the driving down the road on your, on your cell phone, <laughs> well, you know, you're doing it you by know, yourself. <laughs> you know, what's funny is because my best friend during the races, you know, when I'm, you know, betting on the weekends and stuff, my best friend is stable mail. Yeah, right. Keeps you up to date, you know, think, you know, miss stuff. Right. <clears throat> you know, horses that I see and, you know, oh, this guy got a pretty bad trip or whatever. And something stood out. Yeah, they're going right in the stable mill. So, you know, when they come back up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this horse that did this, this and this. I wonder where he's spotted now. And then go from there. But no, it's 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 very, very true. I mean. I told you I, I I kept missing horses. Oh, I'm the, I'm notorious for the they change post time right early. Yeah, early. I'm, I'm 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 sitting there trying to clock the odds, and next thing you know, you turn on the 
you turn the channel and you go back and running down the backside. You got nothing in. But um, he's off and wins by twenty, and you're like, "What the hell?" Yeah. One, thank you. But like for me, I, I don't mind. I'll sit out and sit out and sit out. Um, just because I, I get tired of losing. <laughs> yeah, that's usually a, a huge catalyst for something like that. Well, it affects you if you think about it. you. Race, you're a horse in the sixth race, or you like the sequence sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. Whatever. Like spending thirty percent of your bankroll before that race, action bets leading up to that point, that doesn't make any sense because not only um, does it take money out of your pocket, but it's a, mm-hmm. if anybody says that the horse players don't have a mindset, they're nuts. It's very, very, very difficult to do it um, without some sort of. What's the word? Uh, not second guessing, but it's confidence, I guess. Right? Confidence. Yeah, confidence. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I, I I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I've seen guys that have good opinions but no confidence and lose. And I've yeah. seen people with so-so opinions confident in what they're doing and how they're betting that win. There was a race the other day at Santa Anita, I think on opening day, the first race. And I sort of liked Mike Smith's horse on the outside. I don't remember what was it Mike Smith. I don't know. Maybe it was Mike. Yeah, Mike, it was Smitty. Yeah, Mike Smith, right? Yeah, and it was a horse that looked like it was loose on the lead, mm-hmm. but it also looked like it, it needed to really run its best race to win the race. And he was a horse that I thought could control the pace. That's how I think. Yeah, I thought he was a, a bettable horse. But I just didn't think he was a bettable horse at five to two, even though that was the morning line. I just thought that that was a under. I thought he was underrated. That underrated. Yeah, I, I didn't give him. Um, I, I didn't have. I, I thought four to one was a solid price on him. Seven to two, maybe, and, and maybe you know, you say, well, how much are you betting? Is it does it really matter? Well, it does matter in the end because number one, he lost, but he got bet down to like two to one. Yeah, he got hit hard late. So he, he you know, he, he would have been, like, that's the type of horse that I think I've gotten better at passing on. Yeah. And I mean, the late odds changes, do, they, they do affect my, you know, my 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 thought process. And if it's in the first race, it's hard because there are no will pays. So, you know, you try to read the tea leaves a little bit in exactus but when there's a six horse race and it's it's not that small yeah but i didn't really love the horse i just thought that he might be able to take advantage of the the pace issue but he still had to run his best race you know i I don't want to take two to one on a horse that needs to run his best race to win and it wasn't like he was a two-year-old that had one start or two starts he was a horse that had had consistent form he just you know and I think that's somewhere where I've improved. I, I mean, I still make mistakes. Well, sure, but I think that that is where your your instincts and and your experience as a better comes into play because you know when you're not a hundred percent confident on a horse and you're like, yeah, there's some question marks here, but if the price is right, it, it, it's worth taking a shot. 
And and you did that. I mean, you clearly did that because you were like, ah, five to two is, is a little bit too short. If the horse was four to one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We could, we could I think people something. make the mistake of falling in love with horses. Yes. And there are times when it's fine. Like, um, who was the horse I was in love with on Derby Day? The the horse of Brendan Walsh is the, New uh, the turf filly. New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Because New she just got a terrible trip. Nobody even saw it. I mean, it wasn't even in the charts. It was like hidden, as, as hidden could be. And it was taking the eye chart guy off, the guy with all the vowels in his name. And they're putting <laughs> on Saez. And to me, she was a horse I was betting anything over. I think she was like eight to one. Mm-hmm. Morning line and any anything close to that, I probably would have taken less than eight to one. I would probably be taking five to one on her. The fact she was fifteen to one was like what? That was like, that was like Christmas <laughs> in May. But I would have taken less than morning line on her. I, I would have taken five to one on her. I might have taken nine to two on her. I felt that strong about her winning the race, and I just thought that the the price, the the hidden form that she had, was going to be like gravy money, which it actually turned out to be. So it's not as though you can't say, well, I, you know, I, I never find a horse who I absolutely positively want to play, no matter what the price. I mean, you could find 20 to 31 shots and, and, and think that way. That's fine. But I think too many people want you to give them their picks. Their, your picks. <laughs> and I, I said that last week on our spaces. I was like, man. We don't really give picks, you know. You make us you hold a gun to our head, but that's that's really not our mo here. And the whole point is to try to give you what information we can give you, right? So you like formulate your own opinion yeah. and your own odds. Yeah, like this discussion right now. I think these kind of discussions would be great on on a, a network like TVG between races instead of the, all those filler nonsense kind of things um, that they put in there. This is the kind of conversation that that should be had on a on a on a gambling network. Um, you know, people putting these theories or information out there, like you know, you breaking down why you thought New Year's Day was a good bet. That that's the kind of stuff that people are clamoring for, and it could open up some other eyes that you know where people can absorb that information and do with it what they feel, but these aren't the things that are being talked about very much. I mean, you see a little bit of it on the Naira broadcast a little bit every now and then, but not very often, not enough, I should say. Um, but th- these are good discussions to have and it'll help people grow and help people win and, and, and help them see the navigate through the, the betting space that, you know, it, for other, you know, lack of a better word it's it's kind of hidden unless you really sit down and talk to somebody about it somebody that's you know worth their salt in 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 this space but without that you're not going to get that kind of information but with sports betting you get all kinds of information like that on betting and and things like that which is wild to me that there's nowhere you could get that kind of information unless you personally just talk to somebody about it it's not available at the track. It's not available on their feeds. It's not available on TVG. You know, it's kind of like we're in the dark and in the Stone Ages because there's so many ways to get information out there these days. There's no excuse for it at this point. You remember the um, 
the uh, the British show that uh, sent you the link for the live link that yes. they had. Yes. And they they would go twice to um at least a couple times before post time of the race to the guy who who would the who was the what they say he was uh, examining the markets the prices mm-hmm. who's bad who's not bad who's who's a good price who's not a good price and in this country we never do that never we never do we don't have someone that, that sits there and and that's what they concentrate on we hire people that wear dresses and people that, that are you know yuck it up and you know baseball players and and it's just uh the only growth left in this business is is actual real life horse players, mm-hmm. and for some reason they're not catered to and they're they're not treated that well. And it's one of the one day that they're going to teach a class in a university, maybe at the University of Kentucky or University of Louisville, and it's going to be about the downfall of an industry, and they're going to talk about horse racing and how. Uh, they're they're gonna have you know, different chapters and different a timeline of 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 events and uh, but I just hope that whoever is teaching that class recognizes that the failure to really um, do everything for your your newest potential customers your best potential customers. The, the the lack of marketing to a certain segment of the population, not just to throw it all, you know, throw open the doors and let's hope everybody runs to us. Um, how, how the the fact that we've, you know, not concentrated on the gambling aspect in a country that's just literally exploding with gambling, right, everywhere. There's gambling everywhere. ESPN has. Uh, talks about the over unders during the broadcasts. <laughs> so I mean, it's like that's going to be a, a chapter, uh, you know. Has to be, and it's it's part of it, and, and we're living it, and that's the thing is, is I guess we kind of been living it, but, but these days with competition, uh, just Brownie. What's the you know what what's the uh the suits you know what's their their plan the plan is sports betting which is the competition I mean it's like the most crazy thing I ever heard of it's just well, yeah. the most crazy thing I ever heard of the 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 the, the emerging we're gonna steal from them even though we're the established market it's supposed to be the vice versa. They're taking from us. Very, very counterintuitive. It just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Just like the the fact that you know the industry kind of ignores horse players, which is really shocking because that that tells me that they don't understand the business. I mean, it doesn't take you know a PhD in anything to figure out where this, you know, how everybody works with each other and has a hand in what goes on including the horse players so to cut horse players out of the equation just makes zero sense at all but yet that's kind of what keeps happening 
Barry, is that it would take so little because people who are current customers, who have been customers, are so used to it. <laughs> you know, you know, they they don't have to do very much. Just throw us a bone. That's what I mean. It's like it's Something not like... Be like oh, that's great. Wow. Like lower takeout, mm-hmm. a couple points. <laughs> Horse players would rejoice. Just acknowledge them. That's not even a bold move. That's not even a bold move, to be honest with you. Just the lower takeout a little bit. But you know, when you talk to the tracks, it's it's like groundbreaking every time they do it. The interesting thing is, is I really believe that the tracks are still trying to raise the costs, to raise the expense of the bed. I really don't think that, that they, they have any intention of really ever permanently no, lowering. No way. At this point, they would have did it already. I mean, they've kind of done it in hidden ways with like source market fees and and and, and kind of you know not that obvious ways of of grinding out more of the betting dollar, but. Cutting the same pie into more pieces doesn't make it a bigger pie. I just don't know why we don't want to make it a bigger pie, or maybe we 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 do want to make it a bigger pie, but we just don't really ever take right steps to do that. And right. you know, just it's it's like they they hire people, you know, to to it's like a cookie cutter operation now. Yeah, people who are the face of the of, of the racetrack are, are the people that that do the the TV shows, and they just keep hiring the same people over and over again. Nothing yeah, against that, any that, of the people, but no. But the point is that there, if you so watch basketball, people. if you watch any, if you watch NBA basketball, there's two major networks have national games: ABC, PN. And TBS, right? The TNT. TBS's studio is the best in the business. ESPN has changed their studio show fifteen different times in like the last three years. <laughs> yeah, because they can't catch up to the other guys. Because what the other guys have is a chemistry that works. Time and time and time and time again. And what ESPN never does understand is that they kind of try to copycat it, but the chemistry. And it's never going to work when you, you just keep trying to do the same thing. They should do something different. Different, right. Don't copycat. Do something else. And that's what we do in horse racing. And we don't even have a TNT broadcast in our city. We don't even have one. They literally copycat, like literally with the same people. This is, yeah, this is how we should. None of these are good. All of the racing shows are bad. All racing shows are bad. They're all bad. If they were like network shows, they'd all be canceled. Good. They're bad. They're acceptable. They're what we have. Because we allow them to be acceptable, but there's no real effort to improve them. Yeah, that's that's and, a, and no effort to to involve more betting theory aspects, what have you. It's just here's my pick. This is why I like this horse, and that's pretty much it. Not how I'm going to bet it. And then the ones that you do get the how I'm going to bet, 
they're usually bad bets, you know, and and there's no rhyme or reason as to why. Nobody knows why because they don't talk about it. I mean, listen, someone wants to, to say, oh, well, this, I, I don't care. I don't care about your opinion. <clears throat> you can have your opinion. That's fine. But there's no chance in the world anyone that isn't betting on the, some fanatical person is watching any of the racing shows for more and being entertained. They're not. You're lying to yourself. If you're a big fanatical horse racing fan, well, of course you're going to watch. You're going to watch if, if they didn't even put anybody on there and they just showed the post parade and played music. But it's the same thing over and over and over. Uh, and I mean, even like the Churchill guys, okay, they try to do different stuff. But if I was their producer, I would say it's too much, too much talking, too many guys talking too much, too much, too much. And we don't need analysis of the field as they're getting ready to load in the gate. It's too late. No one's formulating opinions at this point. People have their bets in or they've already made their decision about who they're going to hear about that at that point. You want to say, hey, so-and-so looks really washed. He's acting up bad before the gate. That's information. Of course we should have that information. But that's for next time. That's not for today. It's too late. Well, you know how, you know, we had kind of formulated that idea about, you know, having a separate channel or add-on to racing coverage that, just talks bets, betting, specifics, ticket construction, good bets versus bad bets, things like that. Speaking the language of your actual customers. Correct. And in a streaming form. Except you know what would happen if we try to do it? They're going to block us. They're going to restrict access. They're going to say we can't use this. We can't do that. because Because that's just how racing is. Unfortunately, even if we we were doing this for free, we would be giving them a better chance of of getting more handle out of the same people in the long run, especially. I mean, I mean, just at its bare basics or bare minimum, you could say, hey, look, somebody who's a horse player, you know frequency track plays fairly often sees a channel like that gain some good information hits a bet let's say you don't think they're going to watch again or be enthusiastic about it tell some friends they watch it they give some good information on there i mean that's how we kind of gather information for ourselves and we talk about it and say hey you know this guy over here you know, follow him on Twitter. He, he does a good job doing this, this, and this. And, you know, that could that could impact the business a lot more than some of the stuff that they're doing or dedicating their time to. It's all about efficiency. You know, do you want the fluff or do you want the real? And you could probably have both if you do it the right way. And, and you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to steal this idea, and they're going to try it, and they're going to screw it up. You know why they're going to screw it up? 
because they're going to hire the same people. <laughs> exactly. Else, and that's not going to work. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's the whole is that they just don't get it. If the person you're hiring to to promote gambling, if you don't feel confident, give them a hundred thousand dollars and by the end of their meet, they wouldn't have lost every single penny of it. You shouldn't hire them. <laughs> yeah, they don't know that. That's what I mean, though. Or at least the people making the decisions don't know that. Everybody else seems to know it. Like, horse players know it. And, and you know, like, we, we use the TNT ESPN comparison. And, like, the people on the TNT broadcast, they've got credibility because we know they know what they're talking about. And it's not that the other guys don't know what they're talking about. It's what they're willing to say. We know that Charles Barkley says whatever he wants, what he's talking about, because he played at the very highest level. Yeah. And Kenny Smith was the same. And they play well with each other. And Shaq, of course, is the same. Shaq comes up with some you know crazy shit that they all make fun of him about. Actually, is you know part of the entertainment value of the of the thing. Mm-hmm. But those people have credibility instantly. Racing gives us people off the freaking street. If you're 23, you really don't really have the requisite knowledge to to be in front of a camera talking about horse racing. And again, this is not pointed at anybody. There's there's roles for people that they're misplaced in. Mm. If you hire someone from the backside or who is used to riding horses, then give them a position that they can use their talents and their expertise to provide information in that arena. You don't ask them to handicap or bet because they don't know what the hell they're doing. It's just nuts. Right, and and the thing is, it's there's more of that than there is the other. Of course. <laughs> Which is wild to me. It's like, all right, well... The people you're hiring have no credentials because you won a handicapping contest. That's a, that gives you no credentials. Handicap contests are not like regular wagering. No, not at all. Not it even. just it just bombs. And the funny thing is, the handicap contest people pick all the chalk. <laughs> but this is one of the reasons that 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 bracing is gets stagnant, and and we don't have things that take off. Because we do the same thing. A lot of group think going on, and that's it's not a good thing. You know, where they're all gonna copycat each other, same same thing. Same different spaces. And that's you know. If I was a producer the, the good part about that, I guess, if there is any good parts. Is that it's spawned like this ridiculous amount of podcasts. <laughs> there are a ridiculous <laughs> amount of podcasts. <laughs> it has. I mean, literally. Bel- Belterra Bill said to me, he said, You know, you see all these new podcasts and, and they say, Yeah, none of them actually cover the issues. What do you think about that? Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, most of them don't know them. Right. You don't even know what the issues are. You want to talk about handicapping or the pick five, whatever, that's cool. I have no problem with any of that. If you want to take your time to, to 
together a podcast and are willing to go on record and talk about whatever the hell it is that you talk about, that's great with any of it. If there's a million podcasts, there's a million podcasts. That's fine. You know, like how do you get people to listen? I don't know. I mean, that's seem to be like redundant. Some guys obviously are better than others. And, and, and the truth is, every time someone asks me to do a podcast, I'll do it. I always do it because, A, why wouldn't I? You know, someone if someone asks to do that, they're kind of asking you for a favor. For whatever reason, I'll do it. I have no problem with that. I've told guys sometimes they want me to come out and handicap, the, you know, pick whatever. I was like, that's all. I'll do it. No problem. I mean, you know. I mean, if that's what you really want me to do, I can right, do Right, if that's what your content <laughs> you know? is, and I fit in there, fine. I have no problem with that. I'm yeah. in the same shape. As I got to tell you, you know, the the, the, the pick four I, might not be the one I bet because things change between the time we did this podcast and, and you know, post time for the first leg of the segment. But, um, nah, cool. I, I have no problem. I, I actually encourage it. People want to put content out there. That's fine. That's great. But, um, you know, the industry really doesn't have deal of credibility with its regular players. And that's because they're not fools. And I mean, they never are really given what they want. They're given what, you know, right. I guess, and that's I guess. Yeah, but that's a that's a very good way to put it, because that's that's exactly how it feels, you know, when you see the gripes on Twitter and social media is that, you know, they're just force feeding this nonsense. And this is not what is useful to horse players. No, regurgitating what you see in the program. Right. And and that's not good. I mean, everybody can read. They they can see the 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 program selections, the morning line selections, and you know, at what point do you? And I've heard you say this a couple times. At what point do you stop dumbing it down to the lowest common denominator, and you bring that up a little bit? Because there's always going to be that space that needs some of the coaching, and I get that. But there's also yeah. a huge segment that doesn't need that, that are, you know, a step above beginner, you know, almost into the novice realm that could use a little bit more of that betting acumen type conversation to help them improve and stay in the game and play and play more often. Because if they think they have a chance, people are going to play. If they don't, they're not. They'll just be like, no, nah, I don't have any shot. So why would I even put my money there? So if you give them the tools, or at least <laughs> at least show them a path to, with all the tools, and they could put it together on their own. But there's nothing like that out there. Nothing that you would see on TV. It's either really, really dumb, like, you know, lowest common denominator type stuff, like, you know, what's a win bet? What's a show bet? What's a place bet? That kind of thing. Or it's nothing. It's either that or it's nothing. There's no, you know, secondary level type conversations that you see 
Um, every once in a while, you'll see it on TVG, but it's not for very long. Same thing with the with the uh, the Fox broadcast. You see it a little bit, very very small doses, if at all. When it probably should be incorporated more into those things, so people can relate, and you'll get more viewers. You'll get people that you know are in the game that will encourage others to kind of come and see and look and that whole thing. It's like a snowball effect. But they don't see it that way, which is weird to me because they should be more savvy than that. I, I'd like to think that sometimes some of the people that are broadcasting these things have an inkling on <clears throat> what the people would want to see, and they don't. They just force feed them whatever they feel like is appropriate, and that's that. And that's where betters feel alienated. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the problems, of course, is the lack of competition. True. But if you think away, sports are because a lot of the old curmudgeons will <laughs> bitch about, you know, analytics. But analytics have made us a lot smarter. Oh, absolutely. We understand sports a lot greater than we did 30 years ago. Um. You listen to the broadcasts now versus what we used to get. Just the NFL version of a catch and what constitute a catch and, and why this is a catch now and it, it, it's not a catch. Everyone knows. knows what that is. Everybody that watches football knows what that is. And it's not a, it's not a, a, a completely difficult concept, but it's difficult enough to try to convey. You, know, right. you have to have two feet down. Everybody knows the rule. Everybody. But they've educated yes. the, the consumer. And they have, uh, you know, the, the guys that go to, uh, you know, the referee, the former things. And we don't do that. Not even close. I mean, once, once in a while. But the whole, the whole process, we continue to want. And. It's harder than ever. Handicapping and rate and, and betting these days is harder than it's ever been because it's small fields, because of the computer players taking away a lot of the, the overlays, because of all the competition, because of the people uh, having access to pools from, from all over the country, all over the world, really. It's a, there's, there's video replays uh, instantly. We, we used to have to look up the stupid American produce records to try <laughs> to find information about siblings. That's a pain in the ass. Now, yeah, yeah, it's built in the formulator. It's right there. Everything's built right in. there for everybody. You don't have to do any work. You can watch almost every horse's work at major tracks. You can watch videos of them. I mean, it's, it's much more complicated, but they keep trying to dumb it down, which is, of course, the dumbest thing possible because dumb people will never win and if dumb people aren't betting then who cares about them who cares if if i had a jewelry store i, I wouldn't be marketing the people who don't buy jewelry trying to convert them they don't buy it they're not going to spend five thousand dollars on a watch so why would i market to them racing Hey, let's market the 18 year olds they don't have any time they don't have any money but hey let's get them in there and they can you know drink beer <laughs> 
We don't even have Budweiser as a sponsor anymore. I think that's some like entrance to the racing game. Don't even realize that Budweiser used to be a major sponsor. Huge. Used to put up money for races. Big Budweiser Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I remember those races. Used to be damn near every track, too. Yep. We've got time as usual. 2023 is no different than 2020. Sorry, we got a lot of I feel, you know, it's a good game. Good game. It's just, it's just frustrating. And the thing is, racing is frustrating sport from just the the whole the makeup of it is frustrating because uh, it's it's not like ball where you throw an interception. Well, yeah, they kick the ball off and you get it, you get another chance at it. Racing, you, you make a bad bet. Well, hell, you might not like another horse for two hours, or you might not, not like a horse the rest of the day. Once, what do you mean? If you're sitting at the track, you got to wait thirty. The next race goes off. Yeah, you got a lot of thoughts going through your head. <laughs> you have horses that are scratched. You get bad trips. You get horses that that uh, the odds get blasted after the 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 horses hit the half mile pole. I mean, there's a lot of frustrating aspects to this. You get bad rides, bad steward decisions. I mean. <laughs> weather there's a million things that can go wrong it's a very frustrating sport to start with and um it's just frustrating even more to to see how how much better it could be i think that's really the the one thing that is missed in in his sometimes uh, gruff delivery is inside the pylons what he's saying is 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 almost always true, and I want to make the game better. If people bet better, and not everybody, you got to remember when you talk about people, you're talking about a group that's that's stubborn. Yeah, but it's not uh, you know the, the entire horse racing Twitter population. You've seen some of these guys' tickets; they're never going to win. They're never going to listen. They're never going to do any good. <laughs> yeah, you can try. They're still included in people. So it's not as though everyone's going to figure it out. That is true. And I think the frustrating part that he's relayed to me before, and he's related to people, I mean, all the time, is that the people in charge don't listen. And you wonder if they just don't want to, if that's just not the plan. And that's that's the scariest thing of all. And that's why I said for, for a long, long time, I don't know, that people in this industry should be much more worried about the tracks being our enemies than animal rights groups. That the biggest danger is that um, we don't have any facilities to run it. They don't have to do any picketing outside of a facility that's not open. And to me, that's that's the number one enemy that we have trying to convince our racetracks that we are worth the effort 
And sometimes the, a lot of times, the attitudes and, and the actions of track management has caused you to question that commitment. That's, uh, that's all I got to say today. That's a good, good place to end it. All right, my friend. Well, uh, we'll be uh, interested in hearing about your trip if you do make it. Oh, yeah. If I do. I haven't I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure we'll get a video if you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. Breezy on the, on the menu? Is she going to? Yeah, she would She would be uh, a participant. She'd be jumping in? She's She's been asking about it. That's that's partly why. Well, there you go. He's, she's clamoring. She knows that the... the you know, she knows Tampa's definitely on the menu, but she likes uh she calls Gulfstream Park for whatever reason Derby Horse. Well Dad, I want to go to Derby Horse. So Hey, at least she's not saying I want to go to Derby Lane. Uh, all right. Well, sounds good. And, uh, like I said, we'll look forward to hearing if about your stories. If, uh, if you do head down there, if, uh, if you don't, well, I'm sure you'll still have interesting topics to talk about. Oh yeah. Always. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening.